0: It's likely that the first thing your eyes were drawn to when you walked into this room was the cross hanging on the back wall. And then I saw some of you make your way to the baptismal font there in the entryway, dip your fingers into the water, and make the sign of the cross over your body. As the service began, you watched the, uh, you watched the acolyte. Lead a procession of ministers down the aisle and up onto the chancel, doing so by lifting high the cross, the processional cross, toward which we all bowed as a sign of reverence. Look around this room and you'll likely see several more crosses on the back table, the votive candle stand, on the church banner, and around the necks of those wearing vestments. I would even venture to guess that there's also a few crosses in your possession, maybe on a necklace or dangling from the lobes of your ears. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that the cross is a central feature of the Christian faith, if not the central feature. And rightly so, as the cross depicts the links to which God will go to restore his world, it demonstrates the depths of God's love for you and for me. And so, you know, Christians never tire of singing about the cross, giving thanks for the cross, preaching about the cross, decorating our walls with the cross. We love that old rugged cross. That is, as long as the cross we're talking about is the cross of Jesus We might be surprised, though, to discover that every time the word cross is found on the lips of Jesus, he's not talking about his cross. He's talking about our cross. And the prime example of this is found in our gospel reading today from Matthew 16, when Jesus says to his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, according to Jesus, to be Christian is much more than a clinging to the cross of Christ. It is a lifestyle marked by taking up your cross. And so, yes, while the cross of Jesus is the central feature of our faith, it appears that Jesus wants the cross to be the central feature of your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Now let's pause for a moment before we get too far ahead of ourselves, because I think there can be a lot of confusion about what this invitation to take up your cross really means. We can all too easily assume that we're on the same page when it comes to what Jesus is asking of us here, when that's probably not always the case. And so if the cross is to be the central feature of our lives, we need to share a clear picture of what Jesus means. And so the first thing we should say is is that the call to take up your cross is a metaphor. It's not meant to be taken literally. Back in that day, to literally carry one's cross was something that a person condemned to crucifixion did only one time, and that was as they made their way to the site of execution. We all know that Jesus himself literally carried his cross on the way to Golgotha before he collapsed in pain and exhaustion so that a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene was then forced to carry it the rest of the way. But Jesus is not calling us to this kind of one-off, literal reenactment. Rather, this is a metaphor that speaks of an ongoing way of life. This is why in Luke's gospel, we hear Jesus use the word daily, right? If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily, he says. This is something a follower of Jesus is to do each and every day, even though no doubt we know that there were some disciples who finally did have to carry a literal cross on their way to their own martyrdom. And speaking of martyrdom, The call to take up your cross is not a call to seek that out or to intentionally put yourself in situations where you get to suffer for Jesus. No, the calling instead encourages us to be willing to accept whatever will come our way, ridicule, ridicule, hostility, even if that becomes the result of following Jesus. See the difference? I used to help coordinate mission teams and church groups in their travel to Nicaragua to work with a nonprofit ministry there. And every so often, a team leader would object to the hotel we arranged for them to stay in on their last night before flying back to the States. We did this because the hotel was conveniently near the airport. But still, some would object. We really don't want our team members to enjoy a stay in a hotel on this trip because they're on mission. And we want them to suffer for Jesus. <laughs> and our response would always be the same. To follow Jesus, you don't have to look to find suffering. Because if you really are following the ways of Jesus, suffering will have its way of finding you. The call to take up your cross means that you are willing to suffer and be rejected if that's ultimately where your obedience Jesus leads. But here, too, we must be careful. We must be careful not to trivialize this carrying the cross by referring to everyday annoyances and family uh, problems as, well, those are the crosses that we have to bear. No. Most of the angst and anxiety that we experience in life is just that. It's life, right? It doesn't come from following Jesus which leads me to one last important caveat, caveat I'd like to mention before we get to the meat of what taking up your cross really means. And it's an important one, so listen closely. Taking up your cross does not mean that you resign yourself to suffer abuse from others. For example, studies show that Christian women are much more likely than non-Christian women to remain in abusive relationships because they wrongly believe that being faithful to Jesus requires it. This is a tragedy, and it's not at all what Jesus intends. What Jesus means here is that we are called to embrace his way of life, a way of life that is marked by self-giving love. A way of life that puts the interest of others before our own. We are called to embrace his way of life as our own way of life. And yes, it is a way of life that requires self-sacrifice. You know, we tend to think that the cross was the final feature in Jesus' life. That from the start, Jesus' ministry was not really about the cross. It was all about the kingdom. His healings and miracles, his teachings and parables. But then, unfortunately, the cross brought all that good kingdom stuff to an end. But that's a poor reading of the gospel. For throughout the gospel accounts, the kingdom and the cross are always tightly woven together. So that the cross isn't just the final feature found at the end of Jesus' life. No, it is the defining feature of his entire kingdom life. That's because the cross is all about condescending for the good of another so that the kingdom might come. And Jesus did this all the time, from his birth by incarnation to his death by crucifixion and Everything in between, his entire life, was a sacrifice for others. A condescension to lift up the brokenhearted, to lift up the downtrodden, to draw near to the marginalized and those who are forgotten. The cross was the central feature of Jesus' entire life. And that is why he then turns to you and to me. And says, if you want to become my disciple, you must do the same. You must make the cross the central feature of your entire life. My friends, we might believe this on paper. We might be able to parrot this passage as proof that we are all on the same page. But sadly, this does not describe the majority of Christians today. Christians today, is evident from our lives, do not want the way of the cross to be what life is really all about. Instead, we want Christianity to be all about getting into heaven when we die and until then living a comfortable, individually pious, and middle-class life that allows us to pursue our dreams and our desires without any interference. That's what we want, which is why for many of us, being a Christian has only meant, you know, holding Christian ideas in our heads. For many of us, Christianity is just a view, a, a worldview by which we judge who's right and who's wrong, and who's in and who's out, so that our faith largely becomes just a system of beliefs, beliefs we are constantly tweaking and tinkering with to make sure they're all in proper order. But my friends, Jesus... He blows all that up. He blows all that up by inviting us to join him in a revolutionary way of living shaped by the cross. That's his invitation. It's not an invitation to just believe. It's not an invitation to just accept him or to show up at church whenever that suits you. No, Jesus invites us into a journey of transformation, a daily cross-carrying course of action that is meant to be the central feature of our life together so the question for us this morning becomes what does this kind of life look like you know practically speaking it's all nice and well to talk about denying yourself and taking up your cross but how does this flesh out on the ground what types of behaviors should mark the one who has made the cross the, the central feature of his or her life? Well, this is where our New Testament reading today from Romans 12 is of considerable help. It's a passage I used to have memorized because I felt it was so critical for following Jesus. Because this is the Apostle Paul getting practical for the church, as if he was repackaging for us the Sermon on the Mount. But before we highlight some of the exhortations that he lists off in this passage, let's, I, want, I want to remind us of, of how this chapter began, Romans 12, 1. That's a well-known verse positioned at a huge turning point in the overall flow of Paul's letter here, and this is what he writes. Remember this? He says, and now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There it is. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is Paul putting into his own words Jesus' call to take up your cross daily. That's what Paul is saying. We we should read presenting your body as a living sacrifice as synonymous with making the cross the central feature of our life. And Paul then goes on to help us imagine what this might look like. And so I say we do a little thought experiment here with this passage. Are you in for it? All right. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Try not to go to sleep. And think through an average day in your life. Go ahead. Close your eyes. Picture a typical day in your mind. The interactions you have with family getting ready for your day, the activities you perform at school or work, at home, those tasks that make up most of your time, the people you speak with, just hold all of those images in your mind as you listen to these words from Paul that describe in practical terms presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And imagine what might change for you if these words marked Your typical day. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And do not repay anyone evil for evil, but overcome evil with evil good what would your typical day look like if it was marked by those features you can open your eyes now my friends this is the way of the cross and according to Jesus it's what should dominate every aspect of your life Your family life should look this way. Your work life, your hobbies and your finances, your politics and community involvement, the imprint of the cross should be found on all of these things in a typical day of following Jesus. And so, yes, the cross of Jesus is the central feature of our faith but only because it is through the cross of Jesus that God is forming a community whose central feature must also be the cross. Perhaps then the next time you and I see a cross, whether on the back wall of our nave or on the wall in our home, or in the morning when we make the sign of the cross over our bodies, perhaps instead of thinking only of the cross of Christ we should think of the cross Jesus calls us to carry. The cross that should in all things be the central feature of our lives. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that through the cross-shaped life and ministry of Jesus, you are forming a cross-shaped community. A community that that is the body of Christ on earth, meant to be broken for the life of the world, but only as we heed the call of Jesus to carry our own cross, to put our interest after the interest of others, and to live a life of sacrifice. Forgive us for reducing the Christian faith to anything less than that. Have mercy upon us and empower us by your spirit to be this kind of community for the world.